Uh, today we were joined on our podcast by Stacy Haga, and uh, she's a uh, registered dietitian, does nutrition work, uh, health counseling, and stuff. And I was really interested in that. I mean, she started her practice a couple of years ago. I didn't know the back part of her story that she kind of started after being um, a stay-at-home mom and having her own health struggles and kind of fixing them herself, fixing some for some of her family members. Realized that maybe she could start doing that for some other people. So I thought that was interesting. Um, the other thing I thought about that I, I don't think I really knew was um, she said within two weeks, like 50% of the people that have some of those types of uh, inflammatory issues and autoimmune issues, she can improve their symptoms by 50% in like two weeks. Yeah. And it kind of mirrors what the other episode we just had with um, the uh, virtual physical therapy, um, Christina Weimer, she said the same thing. Yeah. You know, I can fix a lot of these problems in a little bit of no time. And you just kind of sit there and wonder to yourself, man, all these people out there that are probably suffering and just if they just took one step with something like this. Yeah, it's mind-boggling that in two weeks you can you can have those, and majority of it really doesn't cost a whole lot of money long term. Might for some of the guidance that Stacy's able to offer, but yeah, I mean, I thought there's all kinds of really good nuggets in this episode, and I think one of the biggest and profound things that's just really simple is you have to be willing to change your behavior, and that's something that that she hits on and talks about. So stay tuned and, and uh, please listen to this episode. All right, today we are joined by guest Stacy Haga, a um, registered dietitian, health coach, and among other things. And she'll let us, she'll let, we'll let Stacy talk about some of that as we get on today. Um, so thanks for joining us once again. So Stacy, um, I did not get a chance to pre-record a bio for you. So um, maybe just quickly kind of go around, go about your background a little bit, and then we'll get into some of the stuff you do today with your health coaching and some of the other things that you uh, participate in. Sure. Okay. Well, um, I've been in private practice for about the last seven years. Um, Before that, I worked in nutrition communications. So I was really doing more nutrition education and and marketing. And uh, about seven years ago, decided to open up my own practice and primarily have been working with individuals on anti-inflammatory diets and autoimmunity, um, people who just, you know, don't really have a diagnosis, but just feel bad. Uh, I've primarily done that and over the last few years have uh, sort of broadened my uh, my scope to more group programs, wellness programs, and a lot of other little <laughs> little side projects that I've been doing. How did you kind of decide that um, the anti-inflammatory and autoimmune kind of stuff was of interest to you and dive into that? Well, I mean, going back to when I was in in undergraduate school when I decided to become a dietitian. I was at Virginia Tech and they have a great nutrition program. And I really thought, you know, this would be so cool to be able to help people through nutrition. Um, But then I went through school and I became a dietitian and I realized they didn't really give us the tools to help anyone. I mean, we weren't in there using food as medicine when I was in school. And so I I got my degree and my certification and was really sort of like, do I even want to do this? Wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, I really enjoyed nutrition communications and, you know, we did a lot with getting nutrition messaging into women's interest magazines and on TV. And that was fun, but I really felt like this is just not fulfilling. So as I was a stay at home mom, I stayed at home for about six years. Um, my own health took a turn 
And my dad also had um, a vaccine reaction, ended up with an autoimmune disease, Guillain-Barre, all about the same time. And it was really then that I recognized I had to get back to my nutrition roots. And the real reason I wanted to be a dietitian was to use that nutrition as medicine. So um, in just trying to heal myself and help my dad, I really discovered food sensitivities and gut health, started doing a lot of continuing education on that. And when I when I felt better, you know, when I, when I identified that food was part of my health issues, um, then I said, this is what I want to do when I grow up. I, I want to, <laughs> you know, like I didn't want to go back to nutrition marketing, uh, but that's what I wanted to do. And my husband thought I was crazy, but I just said, you know, I'm going to be the nap time nutritionist. I'm going to take clients while the kids are napping. I, I had a one-year-old, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Uh, so I just did it over the phone and started very slowly, but there was a real need. I mean, autoimmunity is a huge, um, you know, pan, not pandemic, but, chron- you know, it, there's chronic autoimmunity going on uh, in our country. And I just found that there was such a need. And when one person figured out that food could help them, they go tell all of their friends. And before you know it, I had a business really specializing in anti-inflammatory diets. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. How would somebody start into that process? I mean, trying to figure that out. Do they do an elimination diet? Do they do food sensitivity? How could we help somebody with? Yeah. So it all starts with food. I mean, really, when you're looking at autoimmunity, that's going to start with gut health, at least from my perspective. It, it gut health is essential, and we have something in the functional nutrition world called the four R's. Sometimes it's five R's, but the first step is to remove the trigger foods. And we have to repair, and we have to pl- replace nutrients, and we have to re-inoculate. So there's kind of a step, um, steps you go through. And so I normally start with that food elimination, and I do testing, food sensitivity testing all the time. And that has really just changed people's lives. I mean, just in two weeks, we might see symptom improvement of like 50% easily, if not more, in six weeks, you could see 80 to 90% improvement in symptoms just from changing diet and allowing the gut to start healing itself. Our bodies want to be healthy. I always tell people like, you know, if you just listen to what your body needs or if you just knew what your what foods your body liked and didn't like, it, it'll start doing the rest on its own because it wants to do it. Yeah, I like that analogy too. Um, just. We're, we're made to be healthy. Yeah. Sickness is really a rare thing. It should not be the norm, unfortunately. Exactly. So have you found that when you when you start working with people that there's any kind of pattern you see that got them to where they are that you can kind of relate to over time that you said, okay, here comes another one of these and I kind of know what to do. And it's probably sad, unfortunately, but it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, I, so I've had my practice for seven years now and you know, initially I felt like every single person was so unique and really they are. I mean, there's, there's just, it was, I would spend one hour consulting with them. I might spend three hours researching and trying to come up with the latest research about what they were dealing with. And so most of the time people are very complex. No two people are the same, but what I see over and over is, um, I happen to work with a lot of women. I see a lot of women, you know, maybe in their sixties who, were taking care of their kids, then they were taking care of their aging parents, and they literally never took the time to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they sort of get to 
their their sixties and they're broken. I mean, their their health is trash. They've never made time for um, for themselves. And so I work with a lot of women who have. I mean. You know, I've certainly worked with men too, but often it's women who haven't really prioritized their health through, and they've prioritized everybody else. Is there a common thing that they need to usually remove? I mean, is it they're all eating a lot of fast food? Is it they're all eating a lot of like one certain type of thing that's no. that's getting them there? Or is it just the, the neglect of? Well, the you time? know, I think that's a good question. I think stress obviously <laughs> is. Stress is a bigger factor than than we recognize as far as gut health and, and our immunity. So living up the stressful lives and living in the environment that we live in automatically, you're sort of, um, I mean, set up for health issues. And then diet, you might think you're eating the right things, but you might not have time to cook it yourself. Or, you know, a lot of women don't eat enough protein generally. I can't say across the board that they um, eat too much of this or too much of that, but often it's it's like they don't get enough protein um, or they're chronically under eating or they're dieting. You know, I, I see that a lot. Everybody's always like, well, I, can, I can't eat more than 1,200 calories. And over time, that really takes a toll on your health. So... You know, I, I think you have to look at every, I mean, I, I consider myself to be a wellness coach. So I'm looking at diet, activity, stress, and sleep, and you can't ignore any one part of that. Yeah. So interesting because none of those things are really ever talked about. You know, it's not something that's really brought into society. And that's, you know, that's the struggle with all these different things is either the food pyramid tells you to do this or, oh, you can't sleep, take a melatonin, or you can't. You know, none of it ever is addressing kind of the, the root cause and, and kind of trying to, again, get to the underlying issues. Well, it's really interesting that you say that because I do find that I'm everybody's last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, people come to me, you know, I have a lot of autoimmunity, a lot of clients with autoimmune diseases or Lyme disease or um, just, you know, symptoms of inflammation. And nutrition is always the last resort it's like i've been to every doctor no doctor can help me nothing has worked i've been dealing with this with this for years so i'm just going to try nutrition and it works and so that's why a few years ago you know i kind of got to the point where i didn't want it to be always so reactive i wanted to offer something that was proactive you know people were only coming to me in reaction to everything that was already going on and that's why i started saying okay what tools do i have to reach people that allows them to start with those healthy habits early on and not get to the point of chronic disease and so that's when i started doing more group coaching and wellness programs to try to help people you know focus on those things before before they have to, you know, before they're forced to deal with that chronic disease. Uh, and that's where I'm at now, just sort of splitting my time between those few um, areas. Yeah, I agree. We, we've had a couple other kind of different thinking practitioners on, and it's always the same story is that they don't get somebody till they're broken, but they wish they got them way sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, the work hardening stuff we talked to with the PT folks and that kind of stuff, like, man, if I just, you would have worked with me six months ago, this could have been possibly prevented. So I'd like to talk a little bit about um, kind of the nuts and bolts of how you got yourself set up. So, um, and we'll link out to some of your your social media and stuff like that so people can follow you if they want. But so 
you have your private practice thing, but then I, you're also part of something called like Faster Way mm-hmm. Health Coaching. Can you talk about that a little bit and what that entails? Sure. So I became a certified health and wellness coach through Well Coaches, and again, wanted to do more coaching rather than therapeutic, you know, kind of prescriptive um, nutrition. And I found the Faster Way to Fat Loss coaching program. I guess a couple of years ago and decided to become a coach for them because the program really took a lot of the strategies that I would recommend and they already had it in a nice um, nice app. They had daily workouts. Um, and so I joined joined arms with Faster Way to Fat Loss and you know, we're really focused on intermittent fasting, uh, whole food nutrition, Uh, We do a strategy called carb cycling, which means you can do low carb and higher carb and not have to give up as many foods. Um, So it's a lot of very, very much like nutrition timing for fat loss. But I really just like the approach because we're looking at all of those healthy habits. I mean, fat loss is just one piece of it. But if you're working with me and my groups, you're focused on reducing the inflammation, you're focused on the gut health, you're focused on improving markers of health. And so the fat loss is, I think, often why people join, but it's feeling good, you know, that that's what they get out of it in mindset too. So we do a lot with that, you know, non-diet mindset. So yeah, I do that. that that's a virtual nutrition and fitness program um, that I do online, which is great because I started in March 2020. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's been actually really great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is there a good group size that you like to work with or normally that you're, I mean, is it one-on-one that you prefer? I mean, or do you work with businesses, families? I've done a little bit of everything. Um, You know, I've, I would say I like working with everybody. I love the reward of working with individuals because I get to develop a a really close relationship with them and see them making progress. But sometimes that's not financially. Um, Sometimes people can't afford that, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. And I'm, I'm out of pocket. I don't take insurance, which allows me to do more because I don't take insurance. So I really like the group program because it's affordable and I can do one-on-one, but I'm able to work with them in a group setting where um, we both, you know, I can share content, I can share strategies. I do uh, weekly trainings with groups. So they're getting me at, you know, I would say a more affordable price, but also, um, they're working on those healthy habits rather than the prescriptive therapeutic approach. So I've done that. I've had families, um, I've worked with all, I mean, I, you know, as far as food sensitivities goes, one person in the family will get tested and feel better. And then everybody else in the family will, will do it. So I have, I have a couple of families with so many extended so many people in their extended family that I've worked with that I joke, I'm like, take a picture of your Thanksgiving meal. I want to know what it is that you actually find, <laughs> you know, how, how you guys all put your meals together because everybody's got different sensitivities, but um, it's all rewarding. I mean, I, I, I work with groups and then of course I'm doing, you know, more uh, workplace wellness programs too, which is um, always good to sort of, I try to cater to the individual 
um, corporate or corporation or organization based on their needs. So that always you know, mixes things up a little bit too. Is there a company size or too large or too small to, to work with? And what does a program with a company kind of look like? Are you so the program now I have different I have a couple different options. Um, it really depends on the you know the company itself and what their needs are. There hasn't been one that's too big. I mean, to be honest with you, most of mine are in the 50 to 100 size. They're going to be more local businesses. Um, I have occasionally done web trainings for larger organizations that might be more spread out where they have people in different locations. So I'll do a, a video training or online training for groups of, you know, 100 or 200. And that's, you know, not a... It really doesn't matter the size, but uh, you know, just depending on on the corporation, you know, I'd like to assess the needs, figure out who I'm working with. For instance, like with Winchester Metals, uh, you know, it's it's different because you have mostly men, mm-hmm. uh, and you have, I would say, a more active group of employees versus a sedentary group where I've, I've worked with a public, you know, public employees that are at their desk all the time. So that's a very different sort of, a pro, you know, you kind of need to think about different things. What are they going through? What do they need to address? What are their um, challenges to or barriers to being well and then go from there? A lot of the materials over, you know, a lot of the, the content is the same for a lot of the groups, but I think it's really important to know who you're, you know, who you're talking to and to try to help them get something out of it, be realistic about that. Yeah, we're, we're, we started to work with you in January, I guess, mm-hmm. um, of this year. And so one of the things I think that's, that's been eye-opening, um, not just for me, but for some of our employees, is the different topics we cover. Like this month is sleep. The uh, month of March is our, is our sleep month. And it's been kind of fun, <laughs> the group discussions and stuff, but for people really trying to figure out how important sleep is and then, and then um, what do I do to get it better? And so it's those little things. I think that's the kind of what you're talking about. And it's also one of those things that people don't realize the impact that something like sleep quality, for example, has on their overall health. And you kind of go back to, you were just talking about nutrition or you don't want to just always do nutrition. Well, you know, you're not eating while you're sleeping. So you know, how is that so important and why? I think it's, I think it's kind of fun to get into that kind of stuff too. Well, it is. And I think one of the, one of the things that really helps is to do a needs assessment and Mm -hmm. you happen to have already done a needs assessment with your crew. And one thing that was really, that they were struggling with or that they mentioned they wanted to work on was sleep. You know, a lot of your employees weren't looking to lose weight. Now I might go to a different company and they might you know, want to be weight loss might be a primary focus for them, but for your employees, sleep was a real issue. And we saw that with the, you know, with the trainings, when I came in and did trainings, you know, there were people talking about the poor sleep they were getting Mm -hmm. and like, you know, how they pretty much had only been getting like four or five hours of sleep for years and that catches up with you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, no matter what your health goals are, if you're not getting good sleep, it's really hard to move that needle towards your goal. So yeah, I like to find out what they are interested in, what what they are struggling with, and not you know there's going to be all kinds of different you know considerations. But um, but yeah, it doesn't have to always just be food. 
you probably make better food choices when you're when you've gotten enough sleep, you know. Right. <laughs> so it all works, it all works together. together. Yeah. I was interested too in your earlier comments that most of your clients are are females. Um, it sounds like probably older females too. Um, and that's I the little bit of health coaching I do found the same thing. I'm curious what you're finding when you do get a male client. What is their uh, what is the motivation that brought them to you? Um, and kind of how are they a little bit different to start off with than your female clients? Yeah, I mean, I certainly have male clients, and I think in my individual cons- consulting, most of them come to me with some sort of, uh, often it's like irritable bowel okay. disease. There is, there is something keeping them from living their best life, you know, right. and a lot of times it's going to be Crohn's or ulcerative colitis or uh, irritable bowel syndrome. And so a lot of, a lot of my one-on-one clients are there to sort of address those issues. I, I certainly have um, men who will just be curious or I've had, I've, I've worked with, you know, an NFL player who just wanted to improve his, his diet. Um, I, I had a, like a semi-pro bicyclist who wanted to improve his, you know, his time. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely, it's a, I would say there's men are just like women in, in the sense that they have different goals, but the bulk of the men just don't feel well. And okay. so, right. you know, you get to the point, I have, I have people ask me all the time, why do people stick with like why do they do the things you tell them to do <laughs> you know like people see how I eat and they think oh man like that, that doesn't look like fun mm-hmm. you know to have to think about it it really is just like having to make mindful food choices oh that doesn't look like fun I said well you know when you feel as bad as some of my clients do you realize that food is just not worth it that mm-hmm. you will use food as medicine and eat things that make you feel good, not things that make you feel bad. Um, so, you know, in that sense, I, men and women, those are, they're all, a, they're the same in that. They just want to feel good. They want to feel better. Yeah. Good. It's interesting the disconnect that people have that they don't associate ever with, with food. I mean, like I had a friend that he said he drank too much last night and he said, I'm never drinking again. I'm hung over as can be today. <laughs> It's very simple. You, you, you say, I drank too much whiskey. But yet, somebody has irritable bowel syndrome for 15 years, and they're not associating it with that soda or with the other, you know, whatever destructive things that are out there. And it just, I mean, it's all lobbying. It's all money, marketing. and, and The doctors. The, the doctors you know, don't. I mean, I cannot tell you how many, and no offense to the doctors that are <laughs> listening, there are really great doctors out there. Unfortunately, a lot of the GI doctors that my clients go to, like I just get worked up thinking about it. They tell them food doesn't matter. Food is not part of your problem. I don't know how they can say that when food literally goes through your your colon and your you know, I mean it's going through all the different parts of your um, digestive process. So so of course food is going to impact that. Uh, and I'm seeing a little bit of change because clients are going back to their doctors and saying, hey, this is what I did and I feel better. And I do get, I do get more client referrals from doctors now who, you know, are like, well, this, this might work. <laughs> but ish, initially, I had one client who 
was going, it was a, it was a male, he was like 22, uh, but he said, I got fired from Johns Hopkins because the medicine didn't work and they didn't know what else to do for me. And so we started digging in and we worked on, on diet. And I'll tell you, it was funny because he was in college and, you know, didn't have a lot of experience cooking, but he did live on his own. So we were trying to really get him into whole foods and use his food sensitivities. And I said, okay, so do you, do you have a blender? And he's like, um, I don't know. Like he didn't even know if he had a blender. <laughs> what he had so I was trying to find really easy things for him to do for a 22 year old guy who's probably just been eating fast food and whatever to all of a sudden have to be cooking in his apartment at school I mean that was that was a challenge but we did it and I mean he did great he saw improvements and you know hopefully he went back to Johns Hopkins at some point and said hey like this was part of the problem um but Anyway, doctors are part of the problem. The, the messaging is, is all wrong out there. But I think that food is the future. It, it's the future of medicine. Nutrition is the future of medicine, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I like it too. It's because I think it's the low-cost, immediately available option with no barrier to entry. Yeah. You know, um, I think you're right, though. The messaging is terrible and the education of the general citizenry is awful. And um, every day a study comes out and says, this is what you thought was okay, is bad for you now. And then people get scared and alter their diet or whatever, and they find out that that's really the cause of their problem. So yeah, um, I was gonna ask you too, I mentioned before we started recording that I know sometimes you help participate in some different clinical trials or whatever. Um, talk to me about how that works and what your role is in those things. Yeah. Uh, so working on a clinical trial was never something I thought I would do <laughs> primarily because my job, I mean, my goal with people is to help them get off of medications. If they want to not be on medications, I help them get off. And one of the things I see a lot as a side note is just people are over medicated and that's part of their problem. That's part of their symptoms, you know, conf medicines conflicting and, and whatnot. So I, I kept getting approached by some local doctor's offices to um, help do behavioral therapy on nutrition and, and physical activity for their clinical trials that they were doing. And I kept saying no, but, uh, you know, to be honest with you, there aren't many dietitians <laughs> in this area. Really? Okay. So I sort of said, well, look, I'll help you out for a little bit. I can do this and you have to get trained in order to work on a clinical trial you're trained on the Nuremberg code you're trained on um, the the generally recognized acceptable yeah, you know, procedures of clinical trials so you do have to go through quite a bit to participate um, but I've been working on um, drug trials now for the last few years primarily for a medication that was approved for diabetes but they think it also helps with weight loss. And, and one of them was approved for, for weight loss, the injectable. Now we're working on a pill form of that same, um, same medication. So it's really interesting to, to be on that side of things where, you know, I'm, I'm working with, with people. There may or may not be on a drug to help them lose weight, but my role is really to educate them on, you know, healthy lifestyle choices. So are you doing that in conjunction with the trial? In other words, do you have to find, 
do you have to keep like this group of people consistent in their caloric intake or their makeup so that the trial can say that they didn't have any confounding variables in the outcomes? Is that your goal? Or are you actually out there coaching these people on healthy lifestyles beyond the clinical trial? So it depends on the trial. This is the fourth one that I, the one I'm working on right now is a little less um, structured. I mean, there's calorie goals they have to track. Um, you know, they have, they have certain 150 minutes of activity a week is the goal. So we have certain goals and, and each time I meet with them, we talk, how are, what is the next step for you? Is it joining the gym? Are you going to join the gym this month? Are you going to walk three times? You know, we try to be very re- realistic about goals and how to meet their calorie and activity goals. I've been on other trials where it has been much more prescriptive, where it was like, I, you know, I have a script and I stick to that. I can't deviate. Um, but certainly with this one, I can encourage them to do some intermittent fasting. I can encourage them to um, eat a certain amount of protein or a certain amount of carbs. We can talk about macros. I can do more of the, the coaching that I would do with anybody. Um, and they get to work with me for 18 months. We, we meet oh, wow. once a month okay. and we meet for usually about an hour and figure out, you know, how to continually help them move forward. And, you know, in this specific drug, um, it, when it was approved in its injectable form, it was only approved with the caveat that you also have to do physical activity and nutrition for it to work. Okay. So I'm always really clear about that. People are like, oh, I don't think I'm on the drug because I don't have diarrhea. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's the truth. Yeah. Like, the, there's a lot of side effects that come with yeah. these drugs. And I'm like, hey, look, it doesn't matter. You, I, I have worked on enough of these trials to know you don't need this drug, first of all. You don't have to have the drug. So whether you're on it or not, it doesn't matter. Even if you're on it, you're only going to get so far if you don't change your behaviors. So you got to change your behaviors. And it's going to be a real waste of your time if you sit here for 18 months and don't do anything. So yeah. a little bit of tough love. <laughs> but I'm like, look, you're, you know, you're part of this trial. Like, this is free for you. This is, like, all included. Just take advantage of it and let's, let's get you healthy. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably one of the most important aspects. You have to change your behavior. You have yeah. to do something that's not going to just automatically reverse the IBS or whatever the issue is. Right. And I think people get really disappointed when they think that they might not be on a drug because they'll sign up thinking, like, there's a good chance I could just be on this drug and not have to do anything. There are no drugs that work like that. There really, there really aren't. I mean, not for weight loss, not for IBS. You know, if you have IBS, they put you on a drug. Well, that could deplete your B12 and your magnesium, and you could end up with restless leg syndrome. You could end up with, you know, all these other symptoms, maybe not GI symptoms, Mm -hmm. but other problems because they put you on the reflux drug, you know. So there's a a cascade with all of these drugs. So my goal is always to, if they want to, for all of you doctors listening. <laughs> I never try to talk them out of a medication. That's not my job. But if they come to me and they want to get off of it, the, the goal is to get rid of their symptoms so they can. Is that a, that's a big thing is the people come into you saying, I want to get off of my oh, medications. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. People say, I just, I, I know that, I know that I'm having side effects from these. I don't want to be on them or, you know, like, especially with MS, um, multiple sclerosis, I have an, an RA too. I have a number of people who really do not want to go on the drugs for those. 
And a lot of times they don't have to. Right. You know, once we figure out the diet, they can really get by without that. Um, and that's do you rely on a um, do you rely on a blood test or a or a food sensitivity test, like some kind of standard test you do, or do you just kind of start assessing the individual and pick apart what they're taking in and see if you can find things? So I always start with like a 15 minute strategy call. It's just a free call where they can, we can talk through what's been going on. And that gives me a chance to assess whether or not I'd even do a food sensitivities test with them. Because if you don't cook at all, if you hate cooking, if you have a ton of food aversions or you're just a really picky eater. um, And Nicole. Yeah, yeah. No, right. Like it might be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to be realistic. I don't want to set you up for failure. Failure. So, um, if you're a good candidate, if you have symptoms, I have them fill out a, a questionnaire that rates the severity and the frequency of their symptoms. And based on that, I can say you have a lot of inflammation going on, a lot of potentially food-related inflammation. And and then I would say, okay, let's do blood blood work. The test I use is blood work. And it's not like Everly Well. It's not like some of those, um, you know, food sensitivities tests you see on TV. It's a cell-mediated food sensitivities test. So it is measuring the change in your blood volume when you're exposed to a food. Like in 170 different tubes, it'll measure the, the change in volume. And from that, we can say you're having a lot of inflammation or you're not having it. Or you're looking at white, what the white blood cells are doing, okay. basically. That's kind of a very high level, <laughs> you know, overview. But then, so we get the blood work back and the test results. And that that's what I use as a roadmap for their diet. But it but I also have to use some clinical judgment, you know, like I'm not going to um, have somebody eat, you know, nuts and seeds if they have diverticulitis. Mm -hmm. No, we're not going to start off there. We would introduce those later and sort of do, it's an elimination diet, but I I prefer the more positive reintroduction diet. Yeah. So that's, that's really where we'd start is with that blood work if it's appropriate. Okay. I was curious about that. Yeah. Um, and then I, I wanted to ask you another question. I, I told you we might get into, might try this because um, I, I've found lately in corresponding with you some that I'm a chronic under eater. And I know a lot, of, a lot of the country probably thinks everybody eats too much and that's really the problem. Um, but there are people out there who under eat, whether on purpose or not, and that actually can inhibit progress. And I was just curious if you could just kind of touch on that and what you see in people that do that on a, on a regular basis and then and how do you fix it? Well, I think it, I think it depends on your goals. Um, so I mentioned earlier, a lot of the women that I've worked with have been sort of chronic dieters. I mean, but men, men can absolutely yeah. be too. Uh, and what happens when you under eat chronically is that you have metabolic adaptation. I mean, your your body adapts to what you're feeding it. So it becomes more efficient. And I'm a, I call myself the efficiency expert at home. <laughs> like I'm all about being efficient. Um, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste energy. But the problem is when your body becomes really efficient, it... It's, it actually has to slow something down, yeah. right? You might slow down your thyroid. You might slow down um, your metabolism. I mean, those things are going to work together. So eventually, you're just going to find that 
that calorie deficit only works to a certain point, right? And in order to, like, as if weight creeps back on, in order to lose weight, you're going to have to go even lower and lower. Everybody has a basal metabolic rate. Everybody has a certain amount of calories that they need. And I see this a lot where, you know, we don't give our bodies enough credit. We don't think about everything that has to go on, even when we're sleeping. We look at food as the enemy. It's like, I just need to stay away from food. But really, food is fuel. I mean, you have to fuel your body to just have your heart beat and your lungs work and all that. So if you're not giving it enough fuel over time, things are going to slow down. They're not going to work as optimally. And so I do often find that when people really start tracking how much they're eating and they realize they're not meeting their basal metabolic rate, they're not, they're not eating enough for those basics, we have to sort of work on mindset shift. We have to work on um, pulling them up out of that under eating and, and get them up to a point where their body is going to be working more optimally. Any other final questions or anything? No, it's all just fascinating. And it just, it's like every, you know, different person we have on here. It's like everything's been taught wrong. We're doing everything wrong. <laughs> no matter whichever the person is that's of advice, you know, is not necessarily the, the key. Or we need to be more critical thinkers. And, you know, this topic today has been no different. You know, just, and, and that to me is, and I know we all have young children, is how do we, and we're working with the adults, which is probably a great starting point because now they can be better parents and educators, but, how do we just switch all these, you know, these negatives of either there's no finance ever taught in school. That's another topic yeah. we talked about. Mm-hmm. There's no mental health. There's no talking about sleep. So to me, it's just been really informative and I've enjoyed the conversation at the time. So, well, thanks for having me. Yeah. I, I love talking about it. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lot of fun. And, and the, the employees of Winchester metals are benefiting you know, already. And, um, and I know other other outfits that you work with will, you know, will do the same. So like I said, we're going to make sure we link out in our show notes to your, um, to your website, to your social media stuff. You do some fun stuff on there and uh, make sure we share that out. So thanks for your time today. We we do really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along with us for another episode of the healthy team, healthy business podcast. We'd love for you to follow us on Instagram at healthy team, healthy biz. That's B I Z. You can also find us on Facebook, under the same name. You're welcome to send us a message on either one of those applications, or you can send us an email directly at teamdudes at healthyteamhealthybusiness.net. We'd love to hear your feedback and requests you might have for topics or guests. Please feel free to send them our way. If you would take the time to give us a rating or a feedback on your favorite podcast app, that would also be much appreciated and quite helpful. Thanks again for following along and sharing your passion for health with all of us.